passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. One of the reasons for our success, of course, is we change with the times. When the times need a changing, we do just that. We change with the times. So with that in mind, we have a family reunion on Monday night. And... fresh start. The days of absentee management are over. As of now, the four of us will be taking back Monday Night Raw. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night. Download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Welcome everybody to Rewind a Raw. I am waiting, and as many of you heard last night on our uh, TLC review, John Pollock, unfortunately, is uh, a little under the weather. The entire Pollock household appears to be a little under the weather, but um, fret not, I believe it. He is fine. He just needs some rest, and uh, I'm sure he wants to thank you all for uh, your concerns. Um, But on this edition of Rewind to Raw, what better, better excuse to freshen things up than... To welcome one of our family members here at Post Wrestling, formerly of Keep It 2000, the king of sport himself, Nate Milton, the godfather. How are you doing? What is going on, Brother Ting? It is indeed a new era of Rewind a Raw. Uh, nothing that we do for the next 90 minutes or so is going to be the same. We, we're, we're throwing the format out the window away, and I'm looking forward to a, a brand new uh generation of, of podcasting if you will like this this is a big deal this is a momentous evening well, well as many people know one of the reasons for our success over these past several years is that we change with the times so we're about to change with the times and talk about this very monumental edition of raw uh nate first uh i want to thank you all uh so much for coming on board very late notice to join us here uh and but i believe everybody this is somewhat of a blessing in disguise because it's been a while since you and i have done a show together and i think uh this will be a great opportunity to get your thoughts on the current product did you uh first of all how do you keep up with uh wwe how much are you keeping up with the wwe did you watch tlc and more importantly do you typically watch raw well, first of all, it's it's 
great to be here, Way. Like you said, it's very rare that you and I have the chance to uh, podcast with each other. I- I'm still a little skeptical, though. Like, there's a part of me that thinks this is a hoax, and John's not really sick. You and him are just having issues with, with your partnership, and there's a part of me that feels like halfway through this podcast, John's going to come out with a bouquet of flowers that says, take me back, Ting, and, and I don't want to get put up in, in in the midst of your relationship. Um, yeah, no, I don't think uh, we'll be doing that. I think ours is more of a uh, Ariana Grande, Pete Davidson relationship. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in, in terms of my relationship with Raw, uh, I can't tell you the last time before tonight that I've actually sat down and watched an entire episode of Raw from start to finish. Normally, uh, I you know I keep up with the product. You know, I, I watch TLC at least the matches I was interested in. Uh, I went back and watched. Uh, you know, I watch SmackDown on a regular basis, but for Raw, especially being a football fan, it's hard because. Nine times out of ten, what the NFL offers is a better entertainment product. Uh, so tonight was a rare exception because the Saints-Panthers game, anybody that watched that, I feel sorry for you. Uh, you might have actually been better off watching Raw tonight than the NFL game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'll I'll listen to you and John, and then I'll base my decision on what to go back and watch off of your reaction. A lot of the listeners uh, – view raw in that same capacity where if there's a big deal like tonight i'm pretty sure that first hour had a lot more interest than usual because of the announcement of vince mcmahon but for the most part i i don't have the time or the interest uh to watch raw start to finish yeah i think a lot of people are probably with you and i probably would be with you too for these several weeks if not for having to do this show um but uh I'm glad you tuned in. It seems like you're very much, um, I think, up to date with what's going on. Uh, what 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 were some of the highlights that you checked out on TLC? Um, for me, it was three matches. It was AJ and Brian. Like even, I think while that match might not have been the pinnacle of what you would expect from those two, it's never going to be disappointing. Like it's like pizza. Like you can have some pizza that's better than the other pizzas, but at the end of the day, pizza's good. Uh, so that match was good. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Raw Women's Match. I think Nia and Ronda have unexpectedly good chemistry with each other, which is surprising to me a little bit because Nia is still pretty green and Ronda is brand new to this as well. But for whatever reason, they work well together. Um, And then, of course, the SmackDown Women's Match, which was probably everybody's pick for Match of the Night. I was surprised that they went with Asuka. I think it's a good move. And, you know, Charlotte and Becky are probably having the best run of their careers in terms of the full package with the in-ring stuff matching the character work. Uh, So, like, the women on SmackDown, to me, uh, have been carrying uh, a lot of my interest in the product right now. Yeah, so I guess AJ and Brian would be a pepperoni. And maybe Nia and... Ronda would be like kind of that like new flavor that they just like introduced that a lot of people aren't so sure about and you don't know if would go they shouldn't go well together but like it works for some reason it's like mm. that that new interesting thing it's like Hawaiian pizza are you a fan of, of pineapples on pizza brother I'm, T I'm really not I this is a big 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 debate I, I think among circles I know John is a big fan of pineapple I'm not a fan at all what do you say about that 
I I am all the way in on, on pineapples on pizza. Like I think there's something, especially when you got like the ham or the bacon, and you have that savory mixed with the sweet of the pineapple. I, I get why a lot of people don't like pineapples on their pizza, but for me, uh, I tend to be adventurous, and sometimes that comes back to bite me, no pun intended. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of, of the pineapples on the pizza. It sounds just like Naya versus Rhonda. Good That's for the adventurous. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's quickly get into uh, what we like to do here, Nate, is uh, just kind of tee up the week ahead here at Post Wrestling. And uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances, hopefully John Pollock is well enough to join me tomorrow for Rewind to SmackDown. That means we might even be doing the double shot this week as well. Uh, there's like a big addition of, of being the elite that, that just dropped with the, the Bucks and, and, and the elite. Uh, doing their farewell at Ring of Honor. And uh, Thursday, Braden and Davey are back with Up Next. And then on Friday, John, myself, Braden, and Davey, tentatively, and I say tentatively because we are awaiting uh, for an update on the status of John Pollock, but tentatively, the four of us will be getting together to pr- uh, provide our Best of 2018 show. I think that's a, that's a good tease for the people. I, I'm looking forward to that show uh, with the four of you Uh and I will take this opportunity away uh, to to give a tip of the cap to you and Brother Pollock for the recent review of the first Avenger. Like that's I said it on Twitter, but that's always one of my favorite reviews every month is when you guys do the MCU reviews. Like that's something that could have been like pineapple on pizza. You and John Pollock if, about the if, MCU. If this if this audience is 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 willing to bear with us, I'd love to pause this review of this thrilling edition of raw to get nate's thoughts on the latest avengers endgame trailer what did you think of it mm, see and and i know we're, we're taken away from the main event that was this wonderful example of of sports entertainment but i'm excited i i, I mean they could have literally just put up the words avengers endgame and played the music and i think people would have gone crazy uh just for the title reveal mm-hmm. but to actually see some uh, scenes, I'm I'm excited, man. Like I'm I'm hyped for Captain Marvel. I'm hyped for Endgame. I'm hyped for the uh, Spider-Man of Far From Home. Like Into the Spider Verse looks great. I have I have yet to see Into the Spider Verse, but I've heard a lot of good things. Like people, mm-hmm. some people are telling me that this is one of their favorite versions of Spider-Man that they've seen. I've had people I trust and 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 whose opinions I respect. Grown adults tell me that they've walked out of the theater in tears. So I'm 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 excited for uh Into the Spider-Verse. Any uh any further thoughts on on the trailer itself? Any specific moments that caught your eye? I mean, obviously, I think Tony and like we people are looking for clues about what's going to be the fate of Tony and Cap. And Things didn't look too good for Brother Stark in the trailer, uh, but man, I'm—that's almost such a giveaway, though. You know, anytime like you see, you know, the protagonist in so much danger in the trailer, yeah. of course he's going to escape and he'll probably survive. Um, and honestly, I think at the end of this, my theory is that Cap is the one that sacrifices himself, and Tony, Tony, like Tony, I don't think Robert Downey Jr. is going to die. That's my guess. I think uh, Steve Rogers, much to the chagrin of, of Brother Pollock, will be the one to lay his life on the line. And I think I think Cap, uh, excuse me, I think uh, Iron Man will stick around, but he'll take a step back. And maybe we get less of Iron Man and more of Tony Stark in a consulting role with the Avengers. I guess we'll have to consult um, 
with his agent to see how much he, he'd be willing to, how much of a pay cut he'd be willing to take for that consult consultation role. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Nate, we definitely have to get you on for a future MCU review. Uh, we'd love to have you on for something during phase two. So uh, hopefully we get more of your thoughts on that a little later on. But let's do the dirty work right now and talk about WWE Raw. This huge monumental edition of WWE Raw from Sacramento, California. Vince McMahon. Mm, you, you mean Raw the Dark World, waiting? Raw the Dark World. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I would say Raw the Dark World, or you could call it perhaps, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't even go, I wouldn't even give it Raw the Dark World. I think I would give it maybe like um, like the Suicide Squad banner <laughs> of, of Raw. All right. Vince McMahon comes out. It's his big, big appearance, everybody. Vince comes out and he says, Monday Night Raw has been on the air for 25 years, and one of the reasons for their success is that they change with the times. He says, despite one man's brilliance and creativity, he just can't do it himself anymore. He tells us to look towards the stage, and out comes the, the first of many saviors, Stephanie McMahon. Crowd boos. Then Triple H's music hits. And Triple H comes out. This time the crowd cheers. But that's not all. Our fourth and final savior of Monday Night Raw, Shane McMahon, who gets another babyface reaction, understandably being a, a, a babyface on SmackDown. So it's the entire family, minus the matriarch, uh, assuming she's busy. Stephanie says they are out here tonight because they haven't been doing a very good job lately. They haven't listened to their audiences. They have, they've let middle managers air out grievances on air, and they're suffocating their superstars. Hunter says the days of absentee management are over, and the four of them are the saviors of taking back Monday Night Raw. If you're wondering why Shane McMahon is here, evidently he says this goes for SmackDown as well. Whether or not this means Hunter and Steph and Vince are also in control of SmackDown, I think that remains to be seen. I'm completely unsure my how did you take it mate this was just weird and let me let me get let me get some positivity out of the way first way sure. because you know i like to look at things with a glass half full approach and i will say something nice about you know this opening segment so far and that is this man is still a compelling tv character what did he do here that was all that compelling though what did he say just his presence like if you compare Vince McMahon at whatever age he is to the rest of the roster, this man's a star. And even at this advanced age, that still comes across. Now, what was he saying? Like the content of what he was saying, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And it got even more convoluted when you bring in Steph and you bring in Hunter. And especially when you bring in Shane, because like he said, there's a direct conflict of interest with you bringing in the general manager of SmackDown to help run Raw, especially since last month you just told me that these two shows hate each other and they're battling for supremacy. Uh, so I, I would hope that this doesn't mean that we get McMahons on both shows because, quite frankly, SmackDown doesn't really need a whole lot of help, you know, maybe a little tweak here or there. But for the most part, that show's been fine. Uh, Raw's the one that need help, needs help. And, and so... Yeah, this opening part was was weird, and I don't, I still don't get why Shane had to be a part of it. Uh, but I will say the old man, uh, he's, he's still got a lot of charisma, even if what he was saying didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Way, 
with Paige being on SmackDown and like with SmackDown only being two hours, I I don't see the other McMahons making their way there. Um, I guess this is just more like they want to tell the story of the McMahons taking back control of Raw. Uh, so Hunter goes on to say that they're going to now give the audience what they want, which means something new, something fresh, fresh faces, fresh matchups. And as of now, congratulations, Nate. We, the audience, are the authority. It's us. Are you ready for the role? Are you ready for, I, to make tag team matches and gauntlet matches and whatnot? I was not ready for the promotion. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I watched Raw tonight so that I, I would know that I have this new position of power waiting, this power uh, held by such luminaries as uh, one Baron Corbin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it looks like it's 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 not a return to Kurt Angle being in this position, and, and it seems like they've even dropped that storyline entirely. Um, and it's not Alexa Bliss. So um, instead, it appears to be the McMahons. I mean... In babyface roles, let's keep that in yeah, mind too. Which you know, is weird. Yeah, like Stephanie and Hunter. Last we saw, they were the authority, and now they are being positioned in the babyface role without really much justification. Instead, uh, kind of putting all the heel heat on Baron Corbin and trying to turn the audience on Baron Corbin while seeming like babyfaces themselves. I obviously, I think having a babyface GM is something you need after going through the Baron Corbin phase. But I don't think the babyface GM should be played by the same heel GMs who put Baron Corbin in control in the first place. No, and, and Triple H was weird on this on this in this segment because he was very much playing NXT Hunter. Yeah. In in this role, you know, we're gonna give you guys something fresh. We we heard your complaints. We're gonna bring up the stars that you guys want to see. Give you the matchups that you guys want to see. But all of this verbiage is being said by. The guy who last we saw him was somebody who, you know, was going against people like Braun Strowman and going against people like Ronda Rousey. And so I don't like these guys weren't the the messengers for this message. Like if you just want Vince to come out here and say that, I think that's fine. But to have Hunter and Steph be a part of this, it it all didn't make sense. No, not at all. Like to me, like at the end of this whole thing, I feel like ultimately the heat the, the the final boss at the end of it all was Triple H and Stephanie. You know, they're the ones behind firing Kurt Angle. They're the ones who put Baron Corbin in control. And yep. now it seems like they are basically cutting that storyline off and in, in, in for 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 no, a non-justified reason, doing a, a babyface turn for, for Stephanie and Hunter uh, and, and basically letting them escape without punishment for everything that, that's gone so wrong with Raw over the, these past several weeks. How? You mentioned you mentioned Suicide Squad way there in the Amanda Waller role. Like, yeah, we set up this team and we caused all this havoc, but at the end of the day, our hands are clean. It, it was Killer Croc. That's the guy you want. Brilliant, brilliant way to way to bring it back. But um, I just feel like seeing this audience cheer at like the 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 perfect cues that that they intended uh for, to 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 receive cheers for just made like Sacramento look really stupid you know and i can't say like if this was toronto the reaction actually if it was toronto if it was like new york if it was a different market i have to feel the reaction might be somewhat different but at the very least judging by my twitter timeline judging by my own reaction watching from home nobody bought this for a second yeah well i think vince would have gotten cheered regardless because 
at this stage of the game, Vince coming back is a big deal and it is special. But for them to go along with what Steph and, and, and Hunter were saying, it, it didn't make the crowd look uh, that great. And from the pre- from the standpoint of a TV show, and we'll get into this later way with how this announcement has ripple effects throughout the show, it makes a lot of people on the roster look silly when you have Triple H and Stephanie now as part of this good guy effort to make Raw great again, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So Baron Corbin walks out. He gets a ton of heat. Corbin says to Vince that there's no one more excited for a fresh start than him. And he complains about last night's match being unfair. They cut to commercial abruptly, and then we come back. The crowd has apparently been pretty hot the entire break with Corbin and the McMahon still out there. So they do this thing. They engage in this like three-act play in the middle of this thing where they try to get the crowd to continue booing Corbin and it's like the whole Elias thing, if you remember uh, from that segment where like the crowd just wouldn't stop booing him back when yeah. he was doing that thing with Kevin Owens. That that was very organically kind of like magical. And they, I guess it felt like they expected that same type of reaction to Baron Corbin here because they scripted lines to get this crowd to continue to boo Baron Corbin. Meanwhile, from me watching it, they were ready for the segment to move on. They were just, you know, ready to be quiet. And yet you had Corbin out there saying, oh, please, let me talk. Let me talk. If you don't let me talk. <laughs> so I really thought they overscripted this thing. Yes. Uh, Sacramento is not Seattle. Like that Seattle thing is is something that occurs in that one spot because it's a town that rightfully so feels aggrieved by the NBA. Mm. And so if you pluck that nerve, it still resonates. Whereas with Sacramento, like a lot of the lines that they had him saying, it's like, mm, like, okay, that, that was a cute line. That's obviously you're trying to get heat, but you know, keep, let's keep this thing moving because not only do we have all four McMahons here, but now we've got Baron Corbin. We've gone through a commercial break, which is never good. You know, uh, the commercial break is supposed to build suspense, and I did not feel the suspense being built uh, in this segment so far away. And and so yeah, man, I'm. It's not all Baron Corbin's fault. I know people like to take shots at Baron Corbin, and a lot of those shots might be deserved. Nate, but by the end of this show, I felt bad for Baron Corbin. Yes, yes, you know? this yeah, that, that's something that I was going to bring up later. Like. They've made me feel sorry at points for Baron Corbin, and that's not an emotion I as a viewer should feel. So Baron Corbin says he wants to be reinstated, and each of the McMahons say no, but Vince has a suggestion. He says if Baron Corbin can win his match tonight, he can be permanent GM of Monday Night Raw. So we get Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle, and of course, special guest referee Heath Slater. Early on, Kurt delivers a German suplex as we go to another commercial break. We come back from commercial break, and Corbin suddenly has the advantage. At this point, Triple H comes out and says, Oh, I forgot to mention, this is now a handicap match. So out come Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, and Apollo Crews for a four-on-one handicap match against Baron Corbin. To me, like this really told me that they really don't have a serious role for Kurt Angle, at least not as an active wrestler, because the message is that he needs the help of three other men (laughs) to take care of Baron Corbin. That coupled with the fact that they don't seem to want to pay off this whole GM vacation thing with him tells me that 
Angle doesn't really have that much to do there. No, and, and Kurt should, at this point of the game, be a special attraction. You know, he looked good, you know, for, for what they gave him in this match. I'll give the man that. But I thought if you're going to put Kurt Angle in a match against Baron Corbin, at least let the man win clean. Like, let don't give me all this extra uh, stuff tacked onto the match, you know, with what Triple H brings out and what will come uh, here in a second way. Like, it didn't make Kurt Angle look like the strongest participant. I, sir, clearly, that was not the intention at all. Like at one point, I think we we thought that this Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle might have actually had a chance of being a mania program because of of how long they'd been building it. But seeing this, I really don't have hopes for that anymore. So Angle completes his, his three Germans. Chad Gable tags in, delivers his own German. Everybody gets their turn on Baron Corbin, and now all was it four five. Five? No, all five men are in the ring, including Heath Slater, and Slater deliberately turns his back to fix the turnbuckle as the four men continue to gang up on Corbin. At this point, Shane McMahon comes out and <laughs> says this match is now a no-DQ match. Whatever happened to GMs no longer airing out their grievances, Nate? Whatever happened to giving fans the matches they want to see? Very good questions. That we I don't will, think anybody asked for this match, waiting. <laughs> well, we will continue to, to to investigate that that claim as the show progresses. <laughs> so the referee Slater stomps on Baron Corbin. All four wrestlers are use, using steel chairs on Baron Corbin. Everybody hits their finish. Angle slam finally pins Baron Corbin as we hit the bottom of the first hour. Uh, but we're not finished because... Wait, wait, wait. Go back and restate that way. The bottom of the first hour. This entire segment from the McMahons coming out to the Baron Corbin deal to this match, if you want to call it that, took the entire first hour of this Raw that was being billed as a game changer. Yeah, yeah. Let that soak in. Are you saying that this should have been a shorter segment or a longer segment? <laughs> Obviously, it should have been longer. Like, this should have been uh, an Iron Man match between these four guys, five, including Eve. Gauntlet match. Yeah, maybe. Well, uh, we're not finished, Nate. We're going Broadway. (laughs) We're not finished, Nate, because the audience yells, we want tables. So the baby faces bring out a table because this is what the new era is about, giving the fans what they want. And I guess that entails, actually, the fans needing to chant exactly what it is that they want. Because in this case, they listened. They brought out a table, Angle Angle slammed Baron Corbin through this table, and the segment ends. Mercifully. (laughs) John Cena receives uh, Sports Illustrated Muhammad Ali Legacy Award, and we see some video uh, clips from that. Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler is up next, and this, of course, follows Dolph's attack on Balor last night after he helped Balor beat Drew McIntyre. So, uh, at least for tonight, Dolph Ziggler playing the heel. Balor delivers a basement dropkick, but begins to favor his hamstring throughout the match. They get into a number of near falls off of big maneuvers. Finn is about to go up for the coup de grace, but Dolph gets up and hits a zigzag for two. Dolph gets up for a super kick, but out comes Drew McIntyre. Dolph begins to attack Drew, and then Balor delivers a huge topic on Hero to Drew. The match still continues because Drew doesn't actually lay a finger on either men. Dolph hits the Famouser for two. And then Balor is about to deliver a big drop kick, but Drew McIntyre at this point finally interrupts for the DQ, beating both men down. Drew beats Dolph down. What did you think of the match? 
Well, first thing I think, Way, is before Drew got involved, the fans should have started chanting, no interference, no interference. Yeah. Maybe we would have got a clean finish because they're listening to us now. Uh, but, I mean, Drew and, and, and uh, Finn, it's going to be a good match. Like, the guys can't technically have a bad match. I don't think it's possible with those two. It's just I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't cared about any combination with these guys, and that, that's part of the problem. Like the wrestling isn't the problem. The bell to bell stuff isn't the problem. It's the storytelling, and there was nothing in this match that compelled me to care about Drew. Excuse me, uh, Dolphin Finn. I will say though that, that Drew looked really strong, which is obviously the point of this whole segment. You know, he's the guy that they have the highest hopes for and the biggest stocks in in, in terms of these three guys. So. Drew looked good and uh, mission accomplished. They've always like, you know, protected him incredibly strong. And that's why like on this quote unquote, you know, uh, refreshing edition of Raw, I expected him to really take a leading role, like to take a main event role. Instead, it appears he's to me feels like it's this is either a placeholder feud for Drew or even a step down for for Drew, a guy who I feel like should really be at the top of the mix. Obviously, their hands are kind of tied with this Braun Strowman Brock Lesnar match until after the Rumble. But uh you know, I, I, I did at least expect something more from him here. Um, the match, I agree with you, was totally fine technically. It's very difficult, I think, for anybody to feel excited about the Dolph Ziggler match these days with the amount of, like, damage they've done to that character. Um, and then the lack of finish, you know, like, we're... That's, that should be added to the list of, of chance. Absolutely. It's certainly... It's certainly not on the list of things fans want. Dean Ambrose comes out. He's still accompanied by his entourage and gas mask. I'm not sure if it's the 205 Live roster this week or not. Corey Graves. I I don't know why, Way, but for some reason, and maybe it's because I actually had to sit down and watch this segment uh, as part of this program tonight, but I never really got a good look at the way that the uh, SWAT team looks with uh, Dean Ambrose. And for whatever reason, they gave me vibes of the Jabberwockies, like the dance crew. Oh, I love the Jabberwockies. And that would have made this segment so much better is if Midway, you know, we needed an R-Truth Carmella dance break with the Jabberwocky SWAT team. I would love that. I think that would somehow turn this gimmick around in a small way. Uh, like, so they would, like, start coming out here and, like, start breakdancing while, as as Dean walks out. Yeah, like, the I think it was an NBA All-Star game one year where uh, it was one of Shaq's last... Uh, appearances in the all-star game uh somebody will correct me if i'm wrong but he came out with the jabberwockies dancing behind him well you know what i know the jabberwockies at one time had a a vegas stage show i believe it it was at the luxor and we know where dean ambrose and renee live so probably not too far of a uh walk for them if he wants to build that connection that's 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 what we want. The fans, since we now have control of Raw, right into the WWE, we want the Jabberwockies to accompany Dean Ambrose to the ring. Corey Graves asked Renee if there was any celebration at the Ambrose household, and Renee says, of course. So <laughs> she says, of course, but she's not going to tell Graves about it. I mean, whatever they are planning here, it could be nothing at the end of all this, but they are continuing yeah. to kind of push this but- button of... Graves pressuring Renee to give us some answers about Dean. And if you are, if the end game is actually nothing, then 
why I think it'd be better if they removed her from commentary during his matches. I think that'd be a great uh, plot for the new Avengers Endgame movie. If the Endgame was nothing, yeah. We got basically a 20-minute, a three-hour match, 10-year build with no finish. A DQ finish, how about that? Ambrose uh, says the most important thing in Seth's life is the title, and he took it, and he's only getting started. Dean is also going to take Seth's career. He's going to throw his reputation into the mud, and they're now positioning his... Dean's new, like, um, WWE nickname is... The moral compass of the WWE. The self-proclaimed moral compass of the WWE. And he wants to give Seth a chance to come out here to tell him that he is right. So Rollins won't come out. Dean proposes a non-title open challenge to try to get Rollins to come out. Rollins still doesn't come out. So he decides to open up the open challenge for anyone not named Seth Rollins. And I thought it all kind of dragged all of this. Something about Dean's promo style is still missing the mark for me. I don't know how you feel about it. It's it's just Dean. Like I, I don't even know if it's the promo style, but it's the current character, like the current iteration of this Dean Ambrose just doesn't work for me. And it's weird because I think they had something. You know, you can argue whether that first angle on the night that Roman revealed, you know, he was dealing with uh, battling cancer. Like you can argue whether that was tasteful or not, but it certainly was effective. Yeah, I agree. And I think they never really capitalized on that initial moment. And so everything after, whether you're talking about, you know, the smells and, and, you know, this, this, the, the Bane uh, looking outfit that he had on the one week, it, it just doesn't work. Like, and, and I, I hate to say it because I think Dean is a very capable performer and Seth Rollins, you could argue has been one of the best performers on raw over the past year, but I don't care about this feud anymore. And, you know, to go from something that was so hot that first night to, you know, I don't care really about either character right now. That's a fault of not Dean. Really? That's a fault of the people writing for Dean. So it comes Tyler Breeze to answer this challenge straight from his appearance on NXT for the IC title, Dean Ambrose versus Tyler Breeze. We come back from a commercial break with Dean in control and the audience reaction, at least for this portion of the match did not feel all that hot. Breeze comes back, hits a high cross for two super kick for two. And then just like at their TLC match, a quick bounce off of the Irish ropes as Dean hits the dirty deeds for the win. To me, the finish felt a little bit anticlimactic, not unlike last night. Um, I wouldn't say it was really the type of match that made you remember the challenger either. It's like I actually was 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 glad to see Prince pretty back. I think he's somebody that's underutilized. Like I'm not saying Tyler Breeze should be a world championship contender, uh, but it was good to see him uh, again. Uh, but to me, way mm. the moment in this match that stuck out the most to me is when we went to break and Tyler had the advantage and the first commercial they show on USA during the break is for Red Dead Redemption 2 Okay, and I'm like wow like in 30 seconds that commercial for Red Dead Redemption was more compelling than the story they were trying to tell with Dean and Tyler 
It reminded you what you could be doing instead of watching the show? Yes, it's like, oh, I could be in this wild, wild west world and and riding horses and jumping on stagecoaches, but no, I'm here watching Tyler Breeze and Dean Ambrose instead. So, at the end of this match, Seth Rollins' music hits. There, Everybody's attention turns to the ramp, including the, uh, the SWAT team and gas masks. And Rollins reveals himself to be a member of the SWAT team. He unmasks and it's him. He attacks, attacks Dean Ambrose and then he attacks the entire SWAT team as Ambrose gets away. So I guess the message was, instead of answering Dean's open challenge when Dean called for Rollins, he would rather wait for Tyler Breeze to come out, potentially win his IC championship, <laughs> just so that he could attack Dean Ambrose from behind. So, um, it, it's, it's whatever. Like, I feel like mask reveals certainly do not feel like something fresh, you know? Yeah. And if it feels like sometimes on this show that I, I, I'm, I'm being extra critical, it's only because at the beginning of the show, they promise change. They promise changing with the times. And I feel like these types of unmasking gimmicks are not changing with the times unless the, those times are what? 1997. and the thing about this way like they even gave away the secret before we got the unmasking because instead of going from a shot of dean to a shot of the security guards walking up the ramp like we got a shot that kind of lingered too long on one security guard at ringside and then we went to Dean, then we went to the guys on the ramp and then we had the reveal of Rollins as the security guard and it's like if you're going to go through the trouble of trying to swerve me, at least do it properly, you know, because anybody that has watched wrestling for more than five minutes knew that, okay, yeah, there, there's Seth Rollins right there. Uh, thanks, cameraman, for giving that giving that secret away. I'm like, you know, throughout the course of this show, I'm watching it to, to try to see exactly what the WWE's version of, I think, you know, change and, and freshening things up is. And it's clear to, to me that, it just seems like it's like adding people from NXT because nothing else about this show ever felt all that fresh. We continue. Drake Maverick is in the back with Shane McMahon. Um, It's, again, weird to just see Shane McMahon all of a sudden as one of the GMs of Raw with no explanation whatsoever. Um, What what am I... What what is it here? Okay, Shane says that uh, changes means new faces on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Drake and AOP interrupt and Drake complains about their title being stolen last week and she he wants Shane to give AOP their mandatory rematch clause. So this was another change, I guess, Nate. Shane says mandatory rematches are one of the antiquated things that he wants to get rid of. <laughs> mandatory rematches apparently are, are causing Raw's lowest ratings, uh, evidently. So Shane instead wants to give AOP an opportunity to get a rematch. Mm. And he makes a match between the E-Team, the Revival, and the Lucha House Party in a fatal four-way match. So, uh, I could, again, like to me, a segment that felt directly lifted from like a video game career mode. Mm. It's it's funny, way because 90% of the actual changes that happened on Raw take place either in or around this tag match that we're going to get. Okay, I'm looking forward to, to hearing what those are. But first, we have a series of vignettes, and this uh, this is a, a new segment, I guess, on the show called On Their Way to WWE. <laughs> uh, it's a catchy one. <laughs> on Their Way to WWE. 
And we get video packages on Lars Sullivan, Lacey Evans, Heavy Machinery, Nikki Cross, and EC3, all people uh, who are about to be called up from NXT. And I wonder how early some of these uh, names were, were decided. Obviously, Lars Sullivan was the one that they really focused on, and we knew that was coming several uh, weeks out. But I, I, I wonder when the decision to bring up the rest were, were made. Um, are you, you know, of the bunch, who, who do you feel like might have some of the best, best uh, chances of succeeding? I think Lars will be given every chance to succeed, uh, maybe even more so than anybody else that was in this role of, of coming attraction, so to speak. Uh, but f- for me, being an old Impact uh, faithful, true believer, I think EC3 is intriguing on the main roster. Yeah. I think he he could go one. He could, like he could be really great, or he could be somebody that is is just misused and mismanaged and forgotten. He's certainly like somebody in the, in the in the same type of uh, archetype as you know Elias. Where mm. I mean in NXT, you know he's been okay, but like nothing special. Uh, but on the main roster, where they might favor kind of you know that type of look, that type of personality a little bit more. Certainly, I mean Vince McMahon might favor that type of person a bit more. He could do a lot better, but. We'll see, you know, he could either turn out to be, you know, an Elias or he or Bobby Lashley or, or who knows what else. I, I was a little surprised to, to kind of see that heavy machinery was getting called up. I feel yes. like, you know, they were just kind of maybe on the cusp of, of a bit more, uh, you know, of a bigger run in NXT where they might have gained a, a lot more traction before their big debuts. But we'll see how they do. We'll see how. how all and didn't didn't Nikki Cross already debut? Uh, that was like a UK show. We're not, we're not counting that. I guess it doesn't count. No, not officially. So, I did though when you know seeing this and seeing what was to come from Bobby Lashley, and and I'm sending this one out to you, John Pollock. If they want to put these two together as a tag team, since Bobby Lashley likes showing off his glutes, and the first thing we see from EC3 is him undressing, and they get a real tight shot <laughs> on his glutes. Bobby Lashley and EC3 can form a tag team known as the Fanny Pack. That is way too good. That is way too good, Nate. Um, I can see the t-shirts already. <laughs> the Fanny Pack. Ah, forget the t-shirts, the Fanny Packs, of course. Yes, get a Fanny Pack, Fanny Pack. Sign me up. Sign me right up. All righty, we go to Leo Rush take, and Bobby Lashley. They are out, and uh, they do the whole Elias spotlight thing at the beginning, except this time Bobby is holding Elias' smash guitar from last night. And instead of playing a song, <laughs> Bobby performs and does what he do, uh, does best, and that is show us his glutes. Rush says comparing Bobby and Elias' physiques is like comparing the Golden State Warriors to the Sacramento Kings. So... Maybe you would have appreciated that comparison more than me. I mean, historically, that might be true, at least in recent history. But the Kings are actually having a decent season this year, so I don't know. I don't know how well that insult holds up. All right. Well, thank, thanks. Thanks for the uh, the take. Maybe maybe Elias is it's, it's them trying to say that Elias isn't having such a bad year, perhaps. <laughs> okay. We uh, Elias shows up from behind as uh, Lashley's doing all his poses. And Elias hits Lashley with the guitar, and the segment ends with uh, Elias retreating. So, what is what is your take as somebody who uh, has seen Lashley uh, throughout his TNA run? How do you feel uh, of his current incarnation? I'm sure that this run is helping his bottom line. Uh, there's another pun for John, uh, but hmm. 
it's it's a waste, man. Like we talk about compelling stories and intriguing matchups. They had one ready made for them on a silver platter with Lashley and Lesnar. And they wasted it. And this current role for Bobby, he feels like a nothing. Like, he's not getting Elias over. He's uh, like Leo is somebody who I think has talent, who I think has potential. But he's been wasted in this role. It's not a good look for any of the men involved in this feud. And for somebody who, like Bobby got more in his earlier run when he was not nearly as good a performer as he is now. And if you look at, you know, his work in Impact and, and the, you know, even the stuff with uh, uh, Dan Lambert. Yeah. Like, Bobby's got talent. They just have not put him in the best spot to, su- to succeed. And as a result, the fans don't care. And I can't blame them because they've given you no reason to care about this man. This dude is like... A real shooter, man. Like you, you look at I think the success of like that that Dan Lambert stuff and and him pushing this guy as like a legitimate MMA fighter, and instead we're seeing him like over the course of the year. And this is a good time to remind myself of exactly what Lashley has mm. been through this year as we're gearing up for best and worst of this man's talking about uh, his sisters. Okay, now he's got a gimmick where he's showing his ass every single week. Like, the MMA guy is now doing a posing gimmick where he's showing his ass every single week. I can't imagine Dan Lambert is watching any of this and feeling like it's a good look for Bobby Lashley. Yeah, and I'm not saying Lashley and Lesnar should have main evented WrestleMania or anything like that. But if you look, there's so many shows that this company puts on during the year. They easily could have headlined one of these B shows with Lashley and Lesnar. And it wouldn't have taken much to get the fans invested in that matchup. So a video for Sami Zayn airs, and he is also returning soon, and it looks like he will still be a heel because uh, uh, throughout this video he was kind of, they played parts from his heel promo talking about how, uh, whatever, he doesn't like the crowd and whatnot. Uh, Up next. That might have been one of the bigger changes that we saw tonight, Wade, now thinking back on it. We got more video packages tonight than we usually do. I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, At some point I, I, I feel... You know, they're going to run out of returns, but uh, I, 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 cer- I certainly don't hate it. Like, to me, it almost kind of felt like, hey, like, we need a bunch of big announcements on this show to really yeah. signify change. And what's something we can do at the last minute? Because we're not going to fly these guys in or do anything like that. It was also the, at this point of the show when I looked at my phone and realized it was only 930. Yes, yes, yes. So halfway through the show, we have AOP versus the Lucha House Party versus the B Team versus the Revival in a match to determine the number one contender for the Tag Team Championship. And the Lucha House Party uh, are not using Lucha House rules this week. And I was really... Yes, that was another change. Lucha House rules have have been banished. They've been Uh, abolished. They've been abolished, yes. I I was really curious to see the, the, the crowd reaction to the Lucha House Party because them being specifically mentioned in Seth Rollins' promo last week... And really, like, being mentioned, I would say, like, by fans as, like, one of the negatives on this show, it's not so much them being the negatives, but the idea of having these Lucha House rules being the negatives. I wondered if it would negatively impact, you know, the team itself, and I can't really say they were all that over to begin with, but here, it certainly didn't feel like they were, they felt like anything special. Yeah, you know, not to say they were anything before. I would say overall, Nate, to me, it seemed like the, the reaction for this match was quite flat. Uh, let me just go through some spots. Dallas and Dawson end up working together against AOP and the Lucha House Party. Um, it ends up 
the final two being Dawson versus Dallas. They work a number of near falls encounters. Dawson tags Dash in, and the both of them hit the Shatter Machine onto Bo Dallas for the win. So, as also mentioned from Rollins' uh, promo last week, uh, underutilized talents such as the Revival are seemingly getting a push. After last week's segment, I felt like, you know, by positioning the Revival in that type of spotlight, you're almost kind of setting them up for a babyface run, but it was clear from this match that they are still being positioned as heels. This was a nothing match, but the right team won. And I'm really looking forward, and maybe <laughs> I should temper my expectations given what we've what we've been talking about tonight, Way. But I'm excited to see what Rude, Gable, and the Revival can do in the ring together because I think they can put together some nice matches. Uh, but in terms of this, and you talk about the crowd reaction, why would they be excited? Because we've got the Revival, a team that's been criminally underused, and when they haven't been criminally underused, one of or both of them have been hurt. We've got AOP, who are your former champs, who their biggest claim to fame is the manager has an incontinence problem. And then you've got Lucha House Party, who, as you mentioned, got trashed by one of your top baby faces last week. So if I'm a fan, what's what's my motivation way to be excited about this pairing other than seeing some good wrestling, which we get good wrestling every week on this show. What but what's where's the meat on the bone? Where's the story behind it? The wrestling either has to be like amazing or your storylines mm. have to be sufficient to get me to care and Unfortunately, I thought the reaction for this match was a real indicator of, of the interest level in the tag team division, and it's it was very flat. flat. Um, you know, I do feel bad for AOP, who certainly didn't get a fair chance with this tag team title run. Uh, obviously, you know, I feel like they'll have another chance, but it was just kind of one of those unfortunate cases where, like, these two looked like they had so much going for them, and their first run really should have been, like, a very dominant run that reinvigorated the division, Instead, it I mean, you know, it just came and went. Charlie is in the back with Seth Rollins, and Rollins admits that TLC was a disaster for him. Not only did he lose his match, but he heard what the crowd said last night. He heard every word. So I think Seth Rollins now is like the very self-aware, like, uh, <laughs> always on the internet type of... uh wrestler who reflects exactly all the negative criticism that is being said about the show that he's on or even himself. So it's his way of, I, I guess, like endearing himself to the audience. He says, you know, he heard uh, every word of the crowd last night and he says he's going to take responsibility for it. He says wrestling is his life. He's going to right all the wrongs. And it starts with ending Dean Ambrose. How'd you like the Seth Rollins promo? It was fine. Like I, I like Seth Rollins. I think He's a character, if you really are serious about making a fresh start, I think he's a character that could be a big part of that. Uh, you know, the fans are obviously into him, despite the story that the company is giving us surrounding him. And if if, if they were really smart, there's a lot more they could be doing to utilize this guy and, and put him in the best position to be successful. Uh, but to me, the funniest thing about this way is after this promo, I flipped over to Monday Night Football to check out the game. And nothing really was going on. So I'm like, okay, let me flip back to Raw. And I hit the wrong button. And instead of going back to USA, I just went one channel up from ESPN. And an episode of Law and Order came on. And obviously, Law and Order is synonymous with the USA Network. I thought Raw was over. And Law and Order was airing. 
And that was like the biggest hope spot of the night for me, Way. You I was thought, like, you know what? That Raw wasn't that bad. You thought all of a sudden Raw became two hours? I thought Raw was over at 10 o'clock. <laughs> How disappointed were you when you realized you had scrolled up one too high? Oh, it was legitimate, uh, a, a legitimate deflation of my spirits way. When it was like, I'm like, oh, I'm on, I'm on channel 14, not channel 18. So Baron Corbin walks into this interview and says it's Rollins' fault why the entire locker room and the McMahons are against him. He says he takes Seth's IC belt if Ambrose didn't already. So this prompts Rollins to deck Corbin, and this, of course, sets up a match that this <laughs> audience will have to um, watch uh, because it'll be airing next week on the Christmas Eve show. Ronda Rousey comes out next. There are still very positive reactions for Ronda Rousey tonight. Uh, she addresses all of her opponents from TLC, Nia Jax, Charlotte, and Becky. And the mention of Becky was what prompted the audience to start, start chanting Becky briefly. Ronda begins to lecture the audience about what a real champion is. She says a real champion is more than just a title or an object. A real champion <laughs> is the best the human race has to offer. <laughs> so <laughs> it was at this point Nate like where I certainly noticed the Becky chants going louder and louder and I've noticed this trend whenever she gets into this kind of scripted lecture mode she clearly turns the audience off um for whatever reason it's 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 a real turn off and it reminds people hey there's somebody else we like besides you how have you uh liked Ronda's uh, promos thus far I think they are laying a wonderful foundation for Ronda's heel turn, Wei Ting. You think it's like, intentional? No, I don't think it's intentional at all. I think that they actually believe that lines like, you know, the champion is the best example of, of the human race. I think they think those are good lines. But to me, there's a disconnect. And I think you talked about it uh, on the TLC recap with uh, the post show with uh, Hanzi and, and those guys when they came on. Hansi and Lewis, uh, yes. Ha yeah, Hansi and Lewis, uh, when you were talking about uh, Rhonda feeling phony when they get into when she gets into promo mode. And, yeah, it's there. Like, even when she's trying to be a good guy, you can tell she's trying to be a good guy. And it's not natural. It's not like Becky, who just feels like a baby face even when she's doing heelish actions. Rhonda feels like a heel even when she's supposed to be the baby face. And... and while it might be detrimental to her in this particular role currently, I think when they pull the trigger and make her a heel, she's going to be phenomenal. I totally agree with you, 100%. Rhonda in this segment suggests a new tradition. She says every show after a pay-per-view, a champion should come out to TV and defend her title, and she offers another open challenge. So for the first time in one of these open challenge things, we actually cut to a camera in the back <laughs> where we see the entire locker room arguing about who gets to have the title shot. So it's, you know, the usual suspects of the Raw women's division, and they're all bickering about who should come out before Mother Hen herself comes out. Stephanie McMahon yells at everybody, says, hey, come with me. So Stephanie, our, our baby face authority figure. That's right. Yes. The, the one who she still yells. I mean, yelling can still be a baby face act, can it? <laughs> so Stephanie says she's changed now. She's going to give everybody a chance to earn their title shots. And she makes an eight woman gauntlet match to determine the number one contendership. An eight woman gauntlet match 
that'll take us through the rest of this episode <laughs> of Raw. Listen, uh, I might have missed it, Nate, but like at any point in Stephanie's appearance, did she mention that the number one contenders match would or the the title match would take place next week? I don't believe so. I might be wrong, but I didn't realize that the match was taking place next week until the announcers started bringing it up. I didn't either, and you know, it's it's it was kind of disappointing as a viewer. Uh, however, you know, th- for the live audience, of course, they're taping next week's matches on the same night right afterwards. So it means that Natalia versus Ronda would be taking place right as we're probably recording right now. I felt like it was not clearly stated. I mean. You had Ronda out here come come out here and say that a champion should be defending a, a, a right after the pay per view, and unfortunately, I guess in reality it is true she is defending the belt at, at this extra TV taping. But audiences at home are going to have to watch it next week. So we get the eight woman gauntlet match, and first up, it's Alicia Fox versus Bailey. Um, seems to, seemingly there is no scientific way of choosing these first participants. It just seems to be whoever Stephanie feels should come out next. <laughs> This match got a lot of time. It went through a, a commercial break. Bailey at one point tweaks her knee in the match, but avoids a big boot from Alicia Fox and schoolgirls her for the win. So Bailey moves on. Bailey is now taking on Dana Brooke. Dana comes out very aggressively. She's she chop blocks Bailey's bad knee, focusing on the injury. We get an Irish rip from Dana, but it causes Bailey to collapse mid mid run. And then from out of nowhere, Bailey hits a Bailey to belly to pin Dana. At this point, we get get a Kevin Owens video. He's also to ex- expected to return soon. Yep. Bailey is taking any real, thoughts real. on yeah any thoughts? Yeah, I was on gonna say real quick. I, I got to go back to Dana because one of my favorite moments of this gauntlet match is Dana Brooke, and you know typically wrestlers will talk trash like that's a thing now. Wrestlers talk trash in the midst of a match, and Dana's version of trash talking was to hit Bailey and say, "This is my opportunity." This is my opportunity. <laughs> it's like, yes. How, how else would you know what she's going through? Yes, I, I'm like, yes, that is factually correct. I, I just don't know if that's good trash talk. Like, if you and I were up for the same position, waiting, and, you know, the boss decided to make us compete for it and, you know, have dueling presentations, and in the middle of my presentation, I look at you and say, this is my job opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that conveys confidence. I'm guessing, like, maybe she's been taking, like, some acting classes and, like, as an actor, you, maybe you have to have your motivation in mind at all times. And this was her spelling out what the top of her rundown said. I have to show that this is my opportunity. So, so hey, it could be worse. She could still be with Titus Worldwide. I don't know if that's worse. I almost kind of preferred that. <laughs> We go to Bailey now versus Mickey James as the next uh, portion of this gauntlet. Uh, there's a Thez press from James, and it turns into a number of pinfall re- reversals and near falls. The story here is that Bailey, three matches in, refuses to give up. So Bailey climbs over the top rope, but hurts her knee in the process. She delivers a crossbody to James, but again favors the knee. Bailey delivers her diving elbow, but Mickey grabs the ropes to break the count. Finally, Mickey hits her Mickey DDT. And Mickey James ends Bailey's run. Mickey- yeah, I, I like that segment. I think like Mickey and Bailey had good chemistry, and Mickey is somebody who we often forget about in the women's division. But she's one of those veterans that, while she's not going to be at the top of the card, she certainly adds depth and and experience. And in a gauntlet match like this, that's going to take up so much TV time. You need people like that. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, she's there when you need somebody very capable uh, to kind of fill a spot that, you know, one of their more, I would say, featured performers can't can't participate in. So um, I think it says something, the fact that she's been around the company for, for so long in this second run, which not many people get. So we get Mickey James taking on Ember Moon up next. Uh, there's a springboard crossbody from Ember for two. They tease a powerbomb off the apron onto the floor, but Ember avoids it as we go to a commercial break. It is worth noting, I feel, at this point that the crowd is pretty ice cold for this. Um, we're back from commercial break. James hits Moon with a flapjack and then does, does a kip up. James dives off, but Ember meets her with double knees, and then Ember delivers the Eclipse to get the win. So Ember moves on. Any thoughts on this match, Nate? Again, good chemistry between these two. It kind of surprised me uh, that, you know, as, as we go on in this gauntlet match, Ember didn't get a lot more run. Uh, but given the story they're trying to tell, it, it makes sense why. Mm-hmm. It does. Ember versus Natalia is up next. There's an abdominal stretch or a rear chin lock from Ember here. Um, again, crowd does not sound all that hot for this. Natalia delivers a big discus clothesline for two. Natalia struggles to apply the sharpshooter. Ember turns it into an inside cradle for two, but then Natalia gets an O'Connor roll for the win. Natalia takes on M- Ruby Riot up next, and at this point we're about 40 minutes into this gauntlet match in the last hour of Raw. There's a long cravat from Ruby. A knee from Ruby puts Natalia down for two. Of course, Natalia versus Ruby is a rematch from last night uh, for people uh, who forget. There's a discus clothesline from Natalia to Ruby, but that's stopped with an STO. Ruby d- goes to deliver her reverse senton off of the second rope, but Natalia dodges it and then rolls her up for the quick win. So I felt like this was a really slow portion of this match. I don't know how you felt about it, Nate, this far into the show, but I think anything that happens in the third hour, anytime you have any slow portion of a match, it is amplified and accentuated. And I saw it in the faces of this audience. Mm. They were just ready for this to move on. Unless it's a super hot match, you're going to get that that fatigue, I guess, at the end of the show. And I feel a little bit of sympathy for this crowd, knowing that their night wasn't over. Um, they had a whole nother show. Yeah. yeah. And I, I used to think those back-to-back uh, impact tapings were bad. Um, but I will say, like, I didn't mind this gauntlet match because at least – they were switching up the pairings. Like, I think I would rather have this than, you know, 20 minutes of a Baron Corbin match followed by 20 minutes of Dean Ambrose. Like, I just think for the variety of the women involved, I guess I enjoyed this more than, you know, maybe any other way they've ended Raw recently. Our final pairing is Sasha Banks taking on Natalia. Sasha rolls through Natalia for a very impressive high-impact DDT. Natalia applies the sharpshooter, but Banks struggles for a long time gets out, but sells her injuries. We're about 50 minutes into the match right now. The crowd is starting to gather behind Sasha. Sasha delivers a nice roll through into a half crab. Natalia is teasing that same struggle that Sasha displayed. Banks transitions into a crucifix pin, but then applies the bank statement, which Natalia gets out of. She hits a German, sending Sasha right onto the back of her neck. Sasha hits her Meteora knees off the second rope, and then Natalia delivers an alley-oop reverse powerbomb, and then the sharpshooter finally forcing Sasha to tap about 53 minutes into this match. I like some of the stuff between Natalia and Sasha, uh, but again, this late into the show, it was very difficult for me to pay that much attention. What did you think, Nate? Yeah, 
it was some good work in between the two of them. Uh, I'm, I think Sasha is somebody who you can also say is underutilized on this card. I don't know if from a storytelling standpoint, though, if it wouldn't have made more sense way for Sasha and Ruby to be switched in, in terms of Natalia's opponents. Mm-hmm. Do you think and it might for have... Ruby to be kind of the final piece that she has to overcome again to get to Ronda? Uh, yeah, I think that would have worked. Maybe they felt like it would have telegraphed it, perhaps. Mm. But maybe not. Like Ruby, I think I could see getting that 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 final victory too. But it wouldn't make sense, I think, coming off of the loss to Natalia. No. And then where was um like where was Naya? I don't know. Maybe I missed it. Did they make mention of where she was? I didn't hear it. Yeah. Or Tamina, for that matter. Like, why, why wasn't Tamina in this gauntlet? Well, I guess uh, I, maybe the, the suggestion is that they were so hurt. And <laughs> also, I mean, Nia just received the title shot, right? Yeah. So that would somewhat disqualify her. Uh, okay, so at this point, Ronda Rousey comes out. And, uh, you know, of course, Ronda and Natalia, they are the friends. They are uh, Ronda teases a glance at her. Uh, but then Ronda raises, raises Natalia's arm and then... Gives her a serious stare. It was like a real back and forth of, of mixed messages between whether or not she likes her or uh, respects her. But at the end, they share a handshake and a hug as the two of them walk up the ramp. So next week, Natalia versus Ronda on the Christmas Eve edition of Raw. They they basically announced a whole bunch of other matches too because obviously they have to do these tapings right at this moment. So we're also getting a triple threat between Finn, Dolph, and Drew. We're getting a match... Um, I don't know, some type of miracle on 34th Street, street fight, whatever, between Elias and Lashley. Paul Heyman makes an appearance, and we're also getting Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. I hope this crowd <laughs> had a good time. Yeah, the, the, Heyman, the Heyman segment should be good. Uh, but what did you make of the end segment, Way? Because I kept waiting for something to happen and i'm not necessarily saying a heel turn although i think that that could have been fun but i was waiting for something to happen and we just kind of got ronda showing up and they had to stare down and then she just kind of disappeared and we focused on natalia as the show went off the air i i think i think that was it you know like for me like i i you know if given the promise earlier in the show of a woman's uh, championship match uh, of a Ronda Rousey match that to me was kind of what I expected closing the show instead you just got a number one contenders match so I feel like like at a 50 minute match at that so to me it felt like the show kind of felt a little bit flat at least with the ending um, I think you're just supposed to think that hey these two are supposed to be competitive uh, they are friends yet they will try to have a very, I don't know, aggressive matchup with one another. Yeah, and, and I liked the match. It it was like, it took up a lot of time, which was a good and bad thing, I think, way. <laughs> like, in the fact that I think this could have been a really great 35-minute gauntlet match instead of what it was. But also, I don't know if, if I would have wanted to, or if I trusted them enough to fill the remaining time left on the show with anything better than what we got with the gauntlet match. I mean, seeing, seeing the rest of the show. Yeah. I w I wouldn't disagree with you, but man, for me, a 50 minute gauntlet match and the third hour of raw was really tough to take, unfortunately. And, uh, I, I just, I, I feel like this might've better been better positioned if it, if it led off the show, but we know they wanted to lead off the show with something, I guess, more McManny. 
So we got that instead. Um, Do you think uh, they could have, if if the whole thing was built around the McMahons, and we saved that to the end of the show? Do you think people would have stuck around for that? Seeing the ratings patterns, I would think not. Even the promise of a McMahon thing, um, you know, the show might be doing worse overall if they didn't start with the McMahons. But um, to like, it felt to me like they sacrificed this third hour because I can't imagine, you know them thinking that this um, Natalia versus Sasha was really going to keep people around, but I could be wrong. All right. Do you want to stick around for some feedback, Nate, or do you have to go? Yeah, I'll stick around for some feedback. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm already in too deep way. Wonderful. Wonderful. On a scale <laughs> of one to 10, what do you think the post wrestling cafe voted? Mm, our, our cafe, much like the player haters on uh, Chappelle's show, are, are known to be diabolical and known to be hateful. Uh, I would put the show at a five. I'm going to say they go a little bit lower. I'm going to go four and a half. The Post Wrestling Cafe voted this edition of Raw 4.25, so you're not too far off, Nate, about the, the, the right type of mark. Um, do you have the thread up, or can you see the thread on my screen? I've got the threat on my phone. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right, so we first go to Paul from New Jersey who says, Fresh faces, fresh matchups, and listening to the fans. This was illustrated by a long opening segment, chock full of McMahons, followed by virtually the same Baron Corbin bit as the prior night. I guess I can give them the benefit of the doubt and reserve some judgment for the next few weeks. After all, it is the holiday season. I just found that opening segment a bit insulting and masturbatory on the part of the McMahon family. At least it looks like they're going to do something with with the revival. Dean, two Dean Ambrose heel sirens out of ten. <laughs> All right, let's go to Adam from the street. Poor Nate. Yes, thank you for your condolences, uh, brother Adam. I, I've, I've let uh, it be known to brother Ting that uh, next time I'm in the six, I expect the beer and the poutine to be flowing. I owe you an edition of uh, WCW from two thousand. <laughs> Actually, you know what, Way? I I might have preferred to review an episode of Russo Nitro with you than than this particular Raw. And, and why is that? I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts comparing a, a, a typical edition of WCW from 2000 versus what we get from Raw right now. Just because, like, it's not good, but it's not boring. And there were several parts in this episode tonight where I was just kind of like 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 I was saying earlier, just kind of looking at the clock. Hmm. Gotcha. Uh, but Adam goes on to say, when Natty got her head smashed into the bottom turnbuckle with eight minutes left to go in this meaningless show, the camera zoomed really tight on her face. So tight that we could all see that she had quite the bat in the cave. This makes me think that's what Raw is. Raw is the snot in our nose that we keep picking at, but for some reason, we just can't get rid of it. I think it's time for everyone to blow their nose. It's very descriptive. That in the cave. I had not heard of that. Okay. <laughs> Matt M says, so if this is the new Raw, then I vote we go back to the old version. Maybe they felt that because Becky is on top right now that everyone would want to see more of the women. However, a gauntlet match that takes up the entire third hour of the show with zero interest in characters is not how to do it. Hope after the new year we can get some decent buildup for the Rumble, but not holding out much hope. Mm. Mark from Vaughn. I can't condemn the revamp in week one, but it didn't feel like a new Raw. Starting with four old authority figures and an overdone trope duplicating the same Corbin angle from last night doesn't scream new. 
WWE seems to think that flooding the main roster with call-ups will improve interest when they're being sent into the same environment of poor booking, lack of logic, and bad character development that discourages fans from becoming invested. They don't even know what it is that the show is missing to try and fix it. We'll see how this progresses. And Mark has a question. If you were at the helm of the shakeup, what's the first change you'd make to the show, and who would you want your top guy to be in the absence of Roman? What are your thoughts on that way? I mean, I think I think for sure it has to be Seth Rollins, and it appears in some ways they're moving in towards that direction. But um, I would say on this particular episode, we didn't really see much uh, build towards that at all. I think he's got to move beyond Dean Ambrose, get out of this thing, tie this thing up, and move on to like Brock Lesnar. I, I think that's the type of the the type of story we all want to see. And 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 as far as the first change, cut the third hour, but mm. um. In addition to that, I think a big revamp of your of your writing staff, especially the person at the top, is needed. But yes, what would you say? I think Rollins is a good choice. Uh, I don't know if, if I'd make if I'd make any trades. Uh, bring maybe bring somebody over from SmackDown. Uh, you know, I talk all the time. Like Big E is a guy that I, I would strap the rocket to. Uh, I don't know if I'd bring him over to Raw solo or bring the New Day over as a unit, and then split them off on Raw. Uh, but that's something I think about. In terms of the changes, yes, I think the creative team needs a bit of a shakeup. Um, if you've got to do an authority figure, and it's, let's like let's say we're in a world where the, the demand is put on me that I have to involve one of those four people in terms of being in a position of power, I'd go with Triple H in the NXT Triple H role. Mm-hmm. Yes. As the baby face, you know, we're going to do what's right by the fans and just kind of hand wave all the stuff. You know, obviously people would have a problem with the continuity of how did we get this guy versus, you know, the heel guy that was feuding with Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. But I'd, you know, wave my hands on that and just make, you know, Triple H the good guy, commissioner, babyface GM, because I think that's a character that fans would actually be behind because we see how they react to him when it comes to NXT. And True. so I think I think that guy, rather than rehashing Stephanie, rehashing Vince, bringing Shane over for whatever damn reason, I think Triple H as your babyface GM could work. Well, I think what makes Triple H pretty likable as the NXT commissioner, or, or, or sorry, not commissioner, but the head of NXT, is the fact that you rarely see him. You know, if, yeah. if it's a if it's a, an authority figure, it's, it's and it's a William. big moment when we see him. Yeah, and and otherwise, it's William Regal who plays a very straight laced authority figure who delivers uh, stipulations when he needs to and kind of stays away for the most part. Oh, Re- Regal would have been a better idea than than the four McMahon's in terms of a new commissioner. Well, what we're asking for basically now is that they move NXT to Raw, right? <laughs> which yeah, yes, which doesn't really seem to be happening for you know. Uh, I even shuddered to, to to see what that would turn out because I think as long as you have Vince McMahon uh, at the at the helm, it's not going to be the same. And I wonder if like Hunter himself, you know, is very much aware of of, of something like that. He must be because like look yeah. look at it's so strange. Like of all the people that they could choose to call up, they chose Lars Sullivan, Lacey Evans, Heavy Machinery. Nikki Cross, who I think was going to get called up anyway, and EC3. It's they are none of the people that I would say have have garnered any type of like you know uh, real buzz amongst the fans of NXT. In fact, like they feel like the ones that 
could be sacrificed so that we can get mm. your Keith Lees and your Donovan Dijaks on TV a lot more. So, yeah, I, like I'm glad they didn't touch a Keith Lee or a Matt Riddle or the Undisputed Era. Like I don't want to see as much as I love uh, Velveteen Dream. I don't want to see him anywhere near this program while Vince has his hands on the steering wheel because I, I don't think that would end well. No, it feels like Raw's picking up the scraps. You know, no offense. I, I, I mean, I'm sure, again, guys like EC3, I think could do really well in the main roster. They could be better suited for the main roster. But I mean, NXT is 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 still seemingly you know. They have everybody that I think anybody really is interested in. We go to Chris from uh, Pennsylvania who says, while there may not have been earth-shattering, life-altering changes on this week's Raw, I came away feeling pretty good about tonight's show. I usually gauge my interest based on how much I'm watching the show versus being on the computer. And outside of the Lashley Elias segment and the middle chunk of the women's gauntlet, tonight's show had my attention. Months of laziness and poor writing isn't going to be changed overnight, but if they actually stick to their word and put a stronger effort into making a good show, then Raw can make a comeback in 2019. <laughs> uh, I think the theme of tonight, Way, is, is uh, dashed hopes. Because I think a lot of people actually were giving the company the benefit of the doubt going into tonight's show. I thought they did a good job promoting it, you know, yeah. promoting promoting the fact that Vince McMahon will come out and make a major decision. And yeah, this was it. <laughs> uh, let's go to Ed. Uh, after the opening segment, I was originally intrigued to see the changes in store. But as the show went on, I didn't notice anything different. I guess we'll have to wait and see over the coming weeks and months to see if they are true to their word. I think this ultimately leads to WWE ending the brand extension by the time SmackDown moves to Fox in the fall. And hopefully the merging of a couple titles. I give this show two bent over Lashley's out of ten. Four cheeks, then. Yes. I mean, the fact that Shane McMahon, the SmackDown GM, is now also one of the co-GMs of Raw certainly like leads you to feel that this brand extension thing is is not really to be taken seriously. However, I mean, there are there are points of the, the brand extension that kind of seem, seemingly work out for them in terms of, you know, touring and mm. I guess having multiple titles to promote. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I certainly don't, don't discount that they would end it by, by the time Fox runs around, comes around. But um, to me, like Shane being a co-GM of Raw was like a big detriment to making me feel like this whole, these lines were actually there. Yeah, and I think when the Fox, by the time the Fox thing comes around, you're going to want your biggest stars on SmackDown, regardless of if there's a brand split or not. So you're going to want Rousey on Fox. Definitely. You know, you're going to want Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, if he comes back by then, on Raw. So I think even if there's still a brand extension, a lot of these players might get moved so that SmackDown gets the biggest talent because they're getting uh, on the show that's that's – being uh, put on the biggest platform, which is Fox. We go to Joe from H-Town who says, Raw was not terrible, at least. Hopefully the McMahons figure out who they want to be. Hopefully they realize they are a three-hour television show and not an Adam Hunter comedy show. Corbin, on an interview recently on Booker T's podcast, said Vince loved what he was doing since he was getting prime real estate on the show. Man, I hope this cannot be true, and it took Vince months to realize what he was that he was wrong. Corbin is terrible. Good riddance. Look forward to seeing the NXT peeps come up in the return of the Canadian duo from injury. How did Max do with his haircut? Well, it's a question for John Pollock. Um, I've seen a photo of Max, actually. He looks very handsome. 
I'm not laughing at Max because he I'm sure he's a, a dashing young man. I'm just laughing at the next piece of feedback because I, I read ahead. Yes, and please. I Yes, Jay from Colorado. I used to work at this small cannabis dispensary where the owner also worked as the manager, and he was horrible at managing his business. Uh-huh. Every few months, he would get fed up and threaten to leave. And like clockwork, he'd give everyone a raise and say, I'm going to listen to you guys now. Things are going to be different. But things never changed, and the guy's out of business now, then, now, and forever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that that would happen anytime soon here. It's like- no. <laughs> you Although you might need to go to a dispensary to get through Raws if they're going to continue to be like this. We got a Jalen from Pickering who says, Mad props today for stepping up to watch that dumpster fire. I hated that opening segment. Vince has been doing this forever now and can still manipulate the crowd when he wants to. Everyone booed Roman week in and week out because of Vince's booking. We finally have the head of this god-awful beast in the middle of the ring. And instead, these fans pop for everything and buy into it. If Hogan is the greatest crowd worker of all time, Vince might be number two. This is probably obvious to everyone that doesn't write for the show, but a gauntlet to close the show with a bunch of women you don't feature well is going to be horrible. It's like they looked at what went well with the men's gauntlet this year and decided to try the opposite. I will say, way going off of Jalen's feedback, there is one thing I'm thankful for, and that is we didn't get Terry Bollea as our new general manager. Man, I, I, I for one second, I did not that, think that that was possible. Unless, like, ah... Uh, like, they are so seemingly sensitive to, you know, PR issues lately, and I'm positive that they saw the backlash that they got from from the Crown Jewel show. Mm. That, plus, like, the fact that they made no mention at all that Hulk Hogan was on Crown Jewel. They, they hid Hulk Hogan in the same way that they hid the name Crown Jewel immediately following that show. So I feel like they he's, he's kind of like, it'll be a long time, if ever, before we see Terry Bollea. Yeah, if, if if Terry showed up, I, I might have gotten sick. Way I might, you might have been doing this show solo. Tonight. Dude, it would have been. I I, I would have uh, preferred that you take over the show yourself. I think <laughs> uh, we got a couple more pieces of feedback here. Uh, Trevor from Kingston. I don't think that I could say Raw was bad this week, so there's that. But I still found it left a lot to be desired after what was said in the opening segment. But I have hope. With NXT call-ups and the returns of KO and Sammy sometime soon, I think this could be a decent show every week. But WWE has let us all down a lot, so I know any optimism is rare. Maybe like it's the suggestion of like NXT call-ups themselves and the brand NXT that like people are thinking, oh, maybe the Undisputed Era are going to come up. But we're not getting that. We're getting heavy machinery and EC3 and like... Lacey Evans, and listen, all those guys could be really talented, but I hardly see them making that big of a difference to like the overall yeah. quality of the show. So, yeah, again, maybe I'm being pessimistic on the on this uh, episode. Hulkbuster finally says, Just saying something is new and fresh does not make it so. The audience is now the authority. What does that even mean? Who are the McMahons reclaiming their show from? And now they are all babyfaces, because now they care what we think. Let's spoil a bunch of call-ups and returns because surprises are no fun. I wasn't expecting miracles, but I expected more than that. Why couldn't Seth help Breeze win? The ratings might go up when football ends, but I don't see them solving any of the real issues they have. Two easy fixes. Stop 50-50 booking and clear heel face characters with a couple of tweeners. So, says, uh, get well, John, and Merry Christmas. And 
I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Nate. And thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Ting. Uh, Merry Christmas to you as well, my friend. And uh, this holiday season, uh, I hope uh, that uh, after we're done, you give me a receipt uh, for this show so I can return it tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make it out too. Yeah. I don't think this is a gift that I want to keep. Yeah, it was, um, it was, uh, I would say it's for me a very disappointing uh, episode of Raw, considering maybe I hyped myself too much up for like uh, considerable changes on this thing. But after that opening segment, to, mm. to me, it really feels like this company is either really off the mark or maybe they're just trolling us still. And this is very elaborate. I can't tell sometimes. Yeah, well, the company hyped it up, you know, and in a vacuum, if we're just looking at what was on this show, way, it wasn't a bad show. It wasn't the worst show I've seen. Like, it wasn't even the worst Raw in the past month. Nobody pissed their pants on this Yes, one. exactly. Uh, it just wasn't a great show, and it didn't live up to the hype, the, the hype that they set. So, you know, if anybody is like, you know, you guys are being too negative or, or you know, they didn't, they didn't say uh, such and such was going to happen. Well, I don't know why you guys expected so much. It's because they hyped it up. So uh, they have nobody to blame but themselves. Following, like, you know, uh, like them admitting on their own show that ratings are in the dumpster and that uh, Raw is, is the worst it's ever been, I expected, like, considerable change from how Raw looked last week. And this Raw really did not look all that different from last week, save for the, the out ousting of Baron Corbin. Like, beyond that, this was, like, the same type of contrived angles, uh, you know, I guess no Lucha House rules, <laughs> Revival got a win. Yep. Um, and is that? And then we got we got the coming to WWE spot, which even that doesn't make sense because these people are already in the WWE. I guess the yeah, but like you know, like I'm just trying to interpret what their definition of change is, and and to me, change, like, we we get McMahon's. That's the only change we get McMahon's now. How off base is that? Like they think themselves as the solution to this like like um, problem that I mean. I, again, judging by a lot of criticism I've seen, at least online, like they're not fooling anybody that, that, <laughs> that they are the ones who are creating this problem, yet they're presenting themselves as a solution. So um, and does this mean we get Vince on TV every week? Because that severely diminishes the unique nature of his character. My belief is that no, I believe like now that's being taken in place of by Hunter, Stephanie and Shane, who are, I guess, going great, to work. Great. So now we We've we've got uh, Jared Ivanka and uh, Don Jr. running the show every week. Exactly it. Yes. Uh, at least he's not on Twitter, you know, or at least not not that active on Twitter. Well, Nate, actually, at this point, I prefer Vince McMahon to to just go ham on Twitter instead of maybe that's the creative outlet he needs, and then that way he could free up, you know, let the reins go a little bit looser on Raw. Yeah, that or the XFL. Like, um, I kind of welcome it. Um, but Nate, what are your plans coming up for the new year and how can people keep up with those plans? Uh, I will uh, be enjoying time with family and friends. I I've already booked uh, a spot in the uh, post wrestling rumble. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping to, to come out victorious uh, this year in the rumble on our uh, Christmas show. Yes. Thank you for that plug. That's coming out next Monday. So you'll be I'm hearing... look. I'm you, you'll hear me in the middle of the rumble. I'm just going to be looking at, you know, whoever the other guests are. Just, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity. That's right. Yes. And uh, who knows? Maybe some surprises. Maybe a former tag team partner of yours uh, mm. might join. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but if anybody wants to 
hear what I'm what I'm doing during the holidays or, or find out about the various uh, podcasts I do, like the Kings of Sport, uh, which is myself and Marcus Vanderberg, or the uh, Black Lightning podcast, which is a new uh, endeavor. I, you know, I've joined up with that show. Uh, what is that show? It's the uh, Black Lightning podcast from the uh, DC TV podcast network. And uh, it's myself, uh, Clement Bryant, and Brittany Monet. And each week we review the CW's Black Lightning show, which, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like superhero shows and movies. It's, it's kind of replacing a lot of what wrestling was for me five, ten years ago away where I get excited about these shows and I've got theories and, and I'm on message boards and I'm on, on Twitter talking with different fans about this stuff. So that's, that's kind of, uh, been something that's, that's been cool. Like the last few months joining that show. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. I totally see the connection. It's why, like, I think, you know, it's, it's so easy for us to kind of transition to talking about these Marvel films. In the end, we're talking about superhero stories. We're talking yep. about good guys versus bad guys. And, uh, that sounds like an awesome, podcast you got you're, you're like you almost have as many podcasts as john I'm, I'm trying john john is my role model so uh, <laughs> uh so get well john and if anybody wants to uh find me on, on twitter uh and you know you can be like chance the rapper who uh liked one of my tweets today uh you can find me at in the number eight m-o-z-a-i-k nate mosaic on twitter wonderful wonderful uh, so people listening to this, uh, as many of you know, Raw and SmackDown are going to be on New Year's Eve and, sorry, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and then New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So John and I won't be doing shows on the Monday or the Tuesday. Instead, we are going to bundle Raw and SmackDown reviews on the Wednesdays of next week and the week after. Instead, as mentioned earlier this week, you will be getting some special editions of our shows that are coming out. On Friday, it's our best of show, tentatively scheduled, uh, with uh, Davey Braden and John Pollock. And then on next Monday, Christmas Eve this year, instead of Christmas, it is our annual Christmas show featuring Nate and a number of our favorite people in uh, professional wrestling podcasting. So do tune in for that. Send your well wishes to at I am John Pollock. Hopefully he'll join me back uh, here next week, or sorry, tomorrow. And if not, I'm sure we'll have a, a wonderful, uh, suitable replacement from the post-wrestling family as well. So thank you for listening, and thank you, Nate. Talk to you later.